encountered the Spirit, felt the love of the Father, find that life in the Savior, and it changed me forever. I've encountered the goodness, felt the truth and the power. I've been saved by Jesus. I will praise him forever. No weapon formed against me. They will prosper. Lord, just leave. Good morning, church. My name is Maddie Marshall, and I get the pleasure of leading testimony time. And I think this might be one of my favorite parts of service. No offense to the other parts, but um, it's just a great time to hear God moving in real life. Um, we obviously experience him here, but then getting to see how he's working in the details of our lives is really encouraging. Um, whether you're experiencing it currently or are kind of feeling like God isn't moving, we can kind of come together as a community and see how God is moving. So um, yeah, so you can raise your hand if you're online, you can put your name in the chat and I'll get flagged down. Um, but how have you seen God at work recently? Who would like to start? All right. Uh, I think it's Kate. Well, people on Zoom can then see. I think it's Kate Bowler who has this like tagline. She's a um, a, a writer, a, a teacher, and one of her lines is, "Life is hard. Life is beautiful." You know, it's those things intermixing. Uh, together and most of us can then understand the reality of that life being really hard and life being really beautiful at the same time holding on to those things so uh, we as a family we were heading on a trip last week and we get to the airport and Carmel wasn't able to go wasn't allowed to fly 
And so immediately we're trying to figure out what in the world to do, you know, and then trying to deal with the also the sorrow and the emotion of been hoping to be able to hang out with family in California for a little bit and that not happening um, for her and, and all of this. And so we made our best plans <laughs> for that. And then um, I needed to figure out how to care for her as Jericho Harvest and I were going to continue heading on this trip and rerouting our plans. And, you know, you're calling up people and like, oh, hey, I need you to immediately drop what you're doing and drive to the airport. Can you do that <laughs> on a Friday afternoon? And called Derek and uh, he was like, yep, we can we can do that. And Christina drops whatever she has and she drives to the airport and picks up Carmel. And it was one of those ones where she's really, really sad. And it's like, you know, we're not going to really want to want to talk because she's not going to talk, but can you get her and, and care for her? Takes her home. And then just the sorrow continues to kind of break in for her and just needing community and um, just kind of even putting that word out and community rushing in around her. And Nate and Tina caring for her, sending over cookies. And Taylor and Hannah came over on Friday night and spent the night at our house with her and just hung out with Carmel until some family could come down the next morning and pick her up and drive her to Grand Rapids to be with some cousins and some other family. So life is hard. Life is beautiful. But we really experience the care of God in the midst of hard um, and the beautiful part of community and people stepping in in order to, to care for us. So thank you. And, and thank you, God, for caring for us. That's awesome. Thanks, Bo. Yeah, who else? Oh, now they're popping up. Okay, that's good. Hi, good morning, everybody. Um, my testimony and my praise is that something is coming. There are 14 kids and myself, I'm not in charge of all of them, going um, to camp this week. Guys, you need a round of applause. <laughs> I do not. And I haven't gotten to be a camp counselor since I was 23, and I'm super excited to get to go back and be with these guys. Um, so my praise is we're going, and my request is that you pray for us, <laughs> that we have good weather and that we're safe and that people aren't homesick and that we make great friends. And... Um, that they are just open to all the things that God wants to say to them. Um, so if you're going, will you stand up so people know who to pray for? We got Maggie going and Annika and Sina, Nora, 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 <laughs> and Mabel and Mabel and Claire. Who else is here that's going? Anybody? Gemma. Um, so if you will just keep all these guys in your prayers this week, that'd be awesome. Well, let's pray right now. Can we pray for you right now? Okay. Um, God, we praise you. It's so exciting to see, um, yeah, just what you are already doing. And we ask um, for each of these um, girls and guys that you would just move um, in their time together. We do ask that it would be a time where they could feel fully known and fully loved by you and by one another. And so thanks for Manya getting to be a camp counselor again. And we just ask that you would go before them and just um, reveal yourself more to them and bind them together. In Jesus' name, amen. Over here. Hello, church. Uh, my testimonial today is uh, builds a little bit off of uh, sometimes things are a little bit scary. And I've been super happy that this week we've been able to get out of our comfort zone a little bit and 
so far everything has worked out. So we're excited about camp tomorrow as well, and we're hoping that everything will work out as well. So hooray. Amen. Stand up here. Did I miss anybody else? Well, I wasn't going to say anything, uh, but when Bo spoke, uh, it's like I need to add in on that. Uh, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about listening to the voice of God and God's prompts and all that. So I came in uh, to the sanctuary early to pray and I put my hands together and I've been developing arthritis in my knuckles and I couldn't put my hands in the prayer posture like this without intense pain. And I said, Lord, I almost quoted Mike Frederick, you know, <laughs> and uh, and it was just and then the voice came to me, look up Second Corinthians 12. And I started reading and I know this so well, but Paul had the same thing. Uh, he called it a thorn in the flesh and he prayed and he prayed and God didn't take it away. You know, but Paul for crying out loud. And and uh, the message he got was, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Thank you, Dan. Anybody else? My wife was like, oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> she doesn't know what I'm going to say. Um, so we bought a house like 15 months ago and we like were renovating the last the second floor for like the last 15 months and uh at some points like there wasn't floor um there wasn't joists at some point uh so like the it's been a it's been a journey and like we've been living in just a smaller fraction of the house but this last week we got carpet in the second floor and we have a working half bathroom on the second floor and like where there previously wasn't floor so it's i don't know it's been like hard but beautiful and um and i'm like i can see that as like a picture of my life as well like at some points in my life it felt like there hasn't been a floor but like i'm like feeling like god is uh working on me and like now i can like like live uh, and like feel like some semblance of home and abide. Uh, and so I'm thankful for that. Thank you. So encouraging. Anybody else? Am I missing anyone on Zoom, Emad? No? All right, Jesus, thank you for all you're doing. Um, we ask that you would do exceedingly more than we could ask or imagine. Amen. Can we stand up for another couple? Oh. 
Good morning, welcome to Genesis. My name is Allison Caneza and we have several announcements. First, please take a moment to let us know you're here by filling out either the digital green card on our website or the physical green card in front of you in the pew. If you are new to Genesis, 
You can sign up for text alerts by texting new to Genesis, all one word, to 94,000. You can also save the date for our newcomer reception, and that'll be Sunday, July 30th from 5 to 6.30. If you are new to Genesis or haven't attended a newcomer reception in the past, this is for you. Now, if you filled out the green card, you can place that physical green card in the wooden box at the back of the sanctuary, from right where you came in. And this is also where you can place your offering if you brought a physical offering with you. Thank you to all who give online or give through text. For everyone on Zoom or Facebook, we are taking communion in the teaching today. So grab some elements in your house, at the lake, at the beach, wherever you're watching from, um, and have those handy. As a church, we wanna be in rhythms of celebration and constantly looking for new ways to celebrate what God is doing in and through us. We want to highlight this on the bulletin board out in the lobby. Um, it's currently covered with cards that tell the stories of the ways we are seeing this. So here are the prompts that we would love for you to be thinking about through the week. In the last week, how have you practiced being authentic and vulnerable? In the last week, has someone been vulnerable with you? How? Please add your stories to the board in the lobby. We have another Love in Action Day coming up, and this one is with Central Detroit Christian Community Development Corporation. They are one of our compassion partners. So you can join us in Central Detroit on Saturday, July 22nd, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. We'll be helping CDC with demo work or outside cleanup. Kids 10 and older are welcome to join with their parent or guardian. There's a registration in the eblast, uh, the weekly email that you can use to sign up. Or you can also grab me during the connection time or after service and I can text you the registration link. When Lisa Johannan, who's the executive director of CDC, visited Genesis back in March, she said she wants people to remember that CDC is still there. So join me and let's head to their neighborhood to not only help out, but be reminded about the innovative and impactful work they're doing in their neighborhood. Now, uh, stand up, uh, take a moment to say hello to the folks next to you during our connection. Thanks. And kids, head to the back.
Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I don't like to break up the party. However, I feel for the kids workers who at some point are going to want to at least return my children uh, to me. Uh, so to pull back the curtain a little bit on how this happened, that I am standing here before you, months ago, months ago, was it February or March, Bo asked if I could teach at some point this summer. And because my job is often on the weekends, I, I responded yes to a date without actually looking at the verses uh, for the morning. And so then when I was like reminded, oh yes, I'm teaching on July 9th, and I look up the verses and I read them and my response was, what? <laughs> I don't understand. And so I read them again and it was again, what? Um, so this morning, you all get to journey with me into the what? Uh, I, I don't know if this summer has like a series title, I haven't heard one. Um, but I'm proposing that it's weird stuff that Jesus said. And that's what we're going to dive into this morning. Um, because God only knows the truths that need to be shared this morning. We're going to start with a little prayer and then dive right in. So God, I ask that you take this what and turn it into clarity and encouragement. God, that we would recognize that Jesus knows your plan best. God, I ask that we would find rest in you today, in your promises, and in the hope that you give us. And take these words and use them for your glory. If you don't know me, uh, my name is Liz Taylor. I have been a member here at Genesis for about a decade. Um, I left for a couple years there in the middle, but we're just going to call it a decade. I used to be paid to be in ministry. I was a camp director and I was a youth pastor. Now I am mostly a mom. I'm a track and field coach at Cast Tech, and I own a business that focuses on making running and racing more accessible to more people, which means that when I talk about Jesus now, it's just for fun. Um, so if you want to join me in reading the verses this morning, we are going to pick up the words of Jesus in Matthew 11 verses 16 through 19. Uh, in the Bibles here, if you want to find it, you can either be a good student and go to the table of contents or open up the Bible to the middle and then go to the right a little bit. Um, you can also open an app on your phone or read along on the screen. I'm not sure if it's going to be up there. Uh, and again, this is Jesus speaking to a crowd. To what can I compare this generation? It is like children playing a game in the public square. They complained to their friends. We played wedding songs and you didn't dance. We played funeral songs and you didn't mourn. For John didn't spend his time eating and drinking and you say he's possessed by a demon. 
The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he is a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is to be shown right by its results. Are you starting to feel the what <laughs> part of this? Now, when I am preparing for teaching, I often get a song stuck in my head. Um, this is why those of you who heard me teach back in December got to listen to Show Yourself from Frozen 2. Uh, we're not going to play a song this morning, but I'm totally going to give away a clue as to who I am and my background. Does anybody remember the DC Talk song, Power in the Red Letters? Anybody? Anybody? It's okay. Raise it, raise it high. Like me, you might have also been in middle school in the 90s and going to a Baptist church. Uh, it's a jam. So if you have not heard it, you should look it up after the service. It's good stuff. But who, anyone who doesn't understand that term, power in the red letters, in American Christian culture, at least, and in a lot of Bibles, the words of Jesus are printed in red as opposed to black. And the Bible in my house, these verses that I just read are written entirely in red. And it's because the words of Jesus are important. And these ones were important enough, even though they made no sense to me on first reading, that Matthew wrote them down and wanted these particular words to get passed on to generations. So in the not so immortal words of DC Talk, we're gonna break down these verses because we believe, and DC Talk believes, that there is love in the red letters, there is truth in the red letters, there is hope for the hopeless, there's peace and forgiveness, and there is life in the red letters. Love, truth, hope, peace, forgiveness, rest. These are the promises we're searching for in these words. We're picking this up mid-conversation. Quick context, Jesus had just responded to a question. Um, whenever a crowd was present, we don't know exactly who was in the crowd, uh, but they just heard him pass on this kind of quiet affirmation meant for John, the John he mentions in those verses. We might know him as John the Baptist uh, during his really dark prison stay. But now Jesus has turned to the crowd and wants to explain things, and this is how he explains them. Uh, funny enough, the last time I was up here in December, I shared with you all about John the Baptist, and actually it, where my teaching ended in December was exactly where these verses picked up. And so, crazy coincidence, or God just wanting us to learn more from it, I'm going to go with God wanting us to learn more. But we talked about how at the end of John's life that he had doubts that he brought to Jesus, and Jesus spoke to John and to John's doubts as he was in prison. And so this is the story continued. There are three major parties here. There's John the Baptist, there's Jesus, and there is the crowd. And the crowd would have been familiar with John, so they would have understood who he was talking to in the verses before and who he was talking about in these. And Jesus takes it and seizes this teachable moment. And he begins by considering his current generation, and they do not come off very well. They are choosy. They're uncertain in receiving God's messages and his messengers. We played wedding songs for you and you didn't dance. We played funeral songs for you and you didn't mourn. God's rescue plan for the world was happening in front of this crowd's eyes, and they were not a fan. 
consider this. The crowd was living in the time of Jesus and John the Baptist. The Savior that they had been waiting for for hundreds of years was there, and no one was really too happy about it. The people of this generation had been told that he, Jesus, was there because John the Baptist had spelled it out for him. This was John's life mission, that he had gone out and was encouraging people to repent because the Savior was there. And before that, for hundreds of years, the prophets had been, I don't know, what would you call it? Like putting out a bolo. Be on the lookout. This guy's coming. This is what he's going to look like. This is what his life's going to look like. This is how you're going to know it's him. And now he's there, and it's like they completely forgot about that history. The message that Jesus brought wasn't just not being received. It was criticized. Essentially, Jesus is saying that those who have a heart to criticize will find something to criticize. People weren't pleased with either John or Jesus. For John didn't spend his time eating and drinking, and you say he's possessed by a demon. Jesus is talking about what a maybe quote-unquote rule follower John was. Yeah, he's a weird dude. He was born with this kind of weighty prophecy over his head, but that intense scrutiny along with what he was sensing, what God wanted from him, led down all the right paths. John followed Jewish law, probably to the extreme, which might be why he was out in the desert and eating such a limited diet. Part of John's backstory is his dad was a priest. That was the environment he was raised in. If anybody knew the rules and the law, it was John. That priestly life, it was all he knew until he left home. And even then, when he lived in the desert, you have to assume he kept following those rules pretty strictly. And yet people still complained about him. People even criticized. And then Jesus makes a comment about himself, that the son of man, that's the son of man that Jesus is referring to. It's how he refers to himself. The son of man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he is a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. Jesus quoted the criticisms of others against him, and these words were meant to condemn, maybe? but they're really kind of great, right? Like Jesus is a friend of sinners, a friend to all of us, since none of us will be perfect. A friend of all, he doesn't judge. A friend of those who are on the outskirts of society. A friend of the marginalized, a friend of the friendless. These cousins, and yet Jesus and John were cousins, they lived on opposite sides of the spectrum. There's a kind of holy rule following over here. That's John living the life that God had for him. And then there's kind of radical, crazy grace and acceptance over here with Jesus. And that was God's plan for Jesus. Both were there with the same ultimate mission, to turn people's hearts to God. And yet, in general, Jesus is saying this generation is just not happy with either of them. Criticism of everything is not a new-to-us problem. Apparently, it's been happening for centuries. I read one commentary on these verses that said, they, meaning the crowd, refused to hear God's voice in either form, in the somber or the joyful, in judgment or in mercy. If it was not according to their conventions, there was no pleasing them. 
that no matter what, whether or not someone lived a structured, rule-following, seek holiness kind of life, or whether someone's a friend of the marginalized, the world still sees them as wrong. This is also going to give you a little bit of what I do in my free time. Has anyone seen some of those ridiculous clickbait articles about the most ridiculous TripAdvisor reviews? If you haven't, let me share a few of my favorite. Here's one about a beach. This is after leaving a two-star review. It is a great beach. It is just too sandy. About the British Museum, place I would love to go. Uh, no, this is one star review. No attempt to excite people or for them to get involved, just putting things on stands for people to look at. It's the Rosetta Stone. Like, what do you, you want to interact with it? Um, here's one where the reviewer was seriously underwhelmed by the Great Wall of China. It's a one star review. It's okay. You built a wall, so why should I be impressed? Back in my day, the walls were more beautiful and didn't have to be so tall. My wife really wanted to visit the wall, and I said, okay, let's do it. But it was soon understood it was too long for me, and I got tired. I failed in front of my wife because of this wall, so I'm not going back there. <laughs> okay, last one, last one. Uh, Stonehenge. Um, this is also a one-star review. I was disgusted to find that this was just a few rocks to look at and nothing to do. They should knock it down and build an arcade or a fun fair. Don't waste your time. What a silly place. This is what it was like in this generation for Jesus and John, essentially saying you knew what was coming. It was explained to you for a hundred years. You go to the beach, you know it's going to be sandy. You go to Stonehenge, it's rocks. You're waiting for a savior. Here he is. And they're still complaining that it's not quite right. But Jesus finished, wisdom is to be shown, or wisdom is shown to be right by its results. God's plan for the world, his plan for these two men, his great rescue plan for everybody wasn't stopped just because people complained. People criticized John, but look what he did. He led thousands of people into repentance, preparing the way for the Messiah. He was living exactly the way God had for him. People might criticize Jesus. Look what he did. He taught and worked and loved and died like no one ever has. And then he rose from the dead all while living this example of grace and forgiveness. Jesus fed the hungry, he healed the sick, he sat with the outcasts, he brought freedom to the marginalized, he engaged children in his ministry, he loved those who did not love himself. John and Jesus, this amazing overlapping time on earth is the changing of the guard in God's rescue plan for the world. Before Jesus, the way of John was it. It was the ancient laws that had been around since Moses. Live holy, follow the ancient rules and regulations. That's the only way that people could be close to God, to show that you were a follower of God. And then Jesus came and said, 
Maybe the rules don't need to be so important. Grace is important. God so loved the world, not just those who followed the law, and that more people could enter the kingdom of heaven, that more people could experience the hope that God had for their lives. And how do we know which way is the wisest? Well, Jesus says, look at the results. Jesus then goes on to pray, and he usually likes to teach through his prayers also. So we're going to pick up these verses in verse 25. At this time, Jesus prayed this prayer. O Father, Lord of heaven, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do this this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father. No one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. That first section we read today was a little harsh and a little confusing, and it probably meant to be so. Jesus just had to send word to his cousin, who was unfairly imprisoned and about to die. But these words show the gentle side of Jesus, the side that gained him the title of Good Shepherd, the reminder that he was a person who is caring and kind and understands how harsh the world can be. To me, when I read these verses, I see the good news of Jesus simplified. Know Jesus, follow Jesus, and then you'll know God's plan for the world. Participate in that plan, and when it gets too heavy, Jesus will be there to help. That's where the rest is. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. That's the red letter hope that carries me through the criticisms of the world. This is the red letter truth. This is the red letter love. That Jesus came to change the world and he changed the world by opening up God's love to everyone. He wants us to follow him and his ways because Jesus knows God's plan best. And he was criticized for being friends to those that the religious leaders of the day would not even speak to. And he encourages us to do the same, to be humble. Jesus wants to teach us how to love like he loves, how to spend time with God like he does, how to show grace like he shows grace, under the full knowledge and understanding that the world probably won't be totally happy with us. But when the weight of the world becomes too heavy and too much, Jesus promises rest. Today is the second Sunday here at Genesis, which means y'all don't have to listen to me wrestle with the what? Uh, you get to do it now. So we usually on second Sundays break into small groups here in the sanctuary uh, and go through some questions about these same passages. Um, so I encourage you all 
to gather around the pre-assigned group leaders. Introverts, join a group. You don't have to talk. You can listen, you can ponder, you can journal. Extroverts, enjoy. This should be your day. Um, could the group leaders stand up? Look at all these great group leaders who volunteered this morning or were voluntold this morning. Either way, they're awesome. Uh, so if everybody could kind of find a leader, spread out a little bit, they have questions um, for y'all to go through these passages and wrestle with your own what. <laughs> 